Welcome, friends, to Radio Free Muncie, broadcasting from the back of a van somewhere in the Muncie greater metropolitan area, and your source for reviews and discussion of the Knights of the Dinner Table comic created by Jolly Blackburn, published by Kenzer & Company. So jump onto your Vespa, ride down to the games pit, crack open your dice bag, and grab a character sheet. It's game on. Hey man, where right. where are we at? We've been driving around forever, man. Where where are we at? I'm going to get some tacos. Tacos? Yeah, there's a Taco Bell right here off of my galliard. Yeah, I see it up there. Yeah, it looks pretty empty. I don't think does anybody go to Taco Bell anymore? Gordita, yeah, man. No, yeah. I guess I guess looks like it's open twenty four hours, so at least we can get some food. It is. And, you know, if you don't want all the bread, like if you don't want to get a sandwich <laughs> or something like that. What are you like on a gluten-free diet or some bullshit like that? You're eating at Taco Bell, man. I got to watch my A1C, man. That's the one of your, oh, you. Know, you got stats, just like strength, intelligence, wisdom, armor class. It's like A1C, glucose, <laughs> cholesterol. Yeah. That's, de that's depressing, man. Well, you, but, but, you know, at Taco Bell, all the food is exactly the same. It's just a big vat. They just scoop it into a different shell. It's, it's like the old Simpsons bit where the, all the beer comes out and it's the same beer, but it, it, it's like Duff Light, Duff Draft, you know. <laughs> same stuff. It was man. the same exact. <laughs> George, is, uh, that a, is that one of those? Um, that's not a medical grade one, right? That's one of those ones where they're just selling it where you just check it on your phone. Or is that like an actual medical one you got from your doctor? Yeah, that's a new Libre. Nice. Yeah, they're pretty handy, man. I like to see GMs. Yep. So, yeah, uh, speaking of really cool shit. <laughs> really cool shit. <laughs> yeah, speaking of speaking cool of shit. Taco Bell, uh, let's go to Scott Schwartz's letter to us. <laughs> Schwartz's uh, response. Because when I think of Taco Bell, I think of Scott Schwartz. <laughs> yeah. He, he said to me, please tell me I'm not the only one following this show. And I was like, Scott, literally tens of people tens. allow this show tens. to get a good night's Dude, sleep. Don't lie. You know he's the only one. Just yeah, it's him and a handful of others. Mostly some, you said some dude in Australia, right? So it's Scott Schwartz and some <laughs> dude in Australia. <laughs> some cool dude in Australia, man, just out of the blue. He's like, I'm cool with bag wars. Do it, baby. If we don't reach another person in this world, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. So we, we actually, but, but hold on. Sorry for not letting you move, move ahead, but that's kind of what I'm known for. Right. Um, you said though, we were getting downloads like in all over the place, right? Like in Europe, like check, you said, you know, the, the, the website will tell you like it tracks downloads and who knows how accurate it is. We're really big in Uzbekistan apparently. Yeah. But uh, 80, only 86% of our listeners apparently are in the u.s uh so there's we get folks apparently there's some folks in the uk and germany australia uzbekistan if you can believe that yeah uzbekistan. Uh, they're sprinkled out like vietnam poland the Netherlands. I, want, I want whoever is listening to us from uzbekistan to please for the love of god please Leave a leave a message on Facebook or something. We want to know who you are because, like, that's crazy. <laughs> what about yeah. those Canadians up north? 
Yeah, yeah I'll get a couple of a couple of uh, views from up there, and they'll even tell you like Quebec, Ontario, Saskatchewan, British Columbia. What, those are obviously made up places, but it's it's right. what it's. Shouldn't telling. it be Canadian Columbia? Yeah, it should be. <laughs> and then uh, in the UK, it's just they just tell you England. But anyway, so yeah, I mean, I think if, if this could be just total horseshit, it's like Scott Swartz. It's a handful of other people, and then some I, dude that just happened upon it in Australia, and then us three. I bet it's Scott, and he's using a VPN to download it from all over the world just to just to uh, make us feel good. Set up some fake emails to write into us. Yeah, yeah, he would do that just to make us feel good about what we're doing. Yeah, I, I bet he would. Yeah, no, he wouldn't. He's a jerk. <laughs> um, but <laughs> but we did have enough listeners that we got enough folks – uh, that said, hey, yeah, Bag Wars. We, Bag actually, Wars. there was quite a bit of folks' feedback on Bag Wars. That, you know, hey, it's my favorite. I love it. Even Jolly piped up and he was like, hey, it's a Bag Wars is like my favorite. You know, it's like my layer, labor of love, but really liked how it came together. Well, dude, if the Jolly Blackburn said the Black Wars, Jolly Blackburn, Bag Wars. It, and we all know, I mean, Steve, you know, George, you know, Jolly Blackburn is not just one guy. It's like a, it's like a collective. It's like, <laughs> they, it's like a pen name of a collection of writers. And, like William Shakespeare was. Yeah. yeah I yeah, don't know exactly. if everybody knows that, but he does, he, there is no like human person that is Jolly Blackburn. He's it's like, a, a, yeah, exactly. I think they're, I think they're working on transitioning him to an AI algorithm now. It's like the, uh, the dude that wrote the, uh, Uh, Like goosebumps, RL Stein. uh, There's no, is there no, there's no RL Stein. Tell me that there's an RL Stein. There's no RL Stein. I was thinking there was some post apocalyptic novels back started in the 80s, Deadlands, Deathlands. And there was a, I'm surprised uh, I don't know. I love, I love those kind of books. Yeah. And it was like a, a lot of it was like gun porn, but good, you know, for the time, I thought it was cool. Yeah. But there's a, I th- I think the uh, the the pen name of the writer became kind of like a it was like a collective of people. It wasn't it wasn't really just one guy. Right? Well, like the, there's a there's a Western writer that has like forty two trillion books. Um, I can't think of his name all of a sudden. I always wondered if he was a pen name. Louis Lamour. Louis Lamour. Yeah. Jane Grey. Yeah, because those and those were at that time period where that, that seems like the kind of thing they would do too. Yeah, you know, like. Yeah. I've got massive collections from both of those writers on my shelves that I inherited from my father when he passed. So are they, are they actual writers or are they pen names? Are they like that? I don't know. Yeah. So yeah, I've got the, uh, I'm showing it here in the van. So you all won't be able to see it, but Deathlands, James Axler, red equinox right there. So yeah, I believe James Axler is a, that sounds doesn't sound like a real person. Yeah, I don't think it's a real person. So anyway, got plenty of feedback on Bag Wars. Hey, go for it. You guys take a little detour. So the plan for for our reader out there or for our listener is uh, <laughs> we're going to take a little detour, talk about Bag Wars. Probably going to be several episodes, I would guess. No way we can do it justice in in one even a, oh no even a marathon episode no. And then we'll get back straight back to issue five and you know, we'll go from there, whatever, whatever it uh, feels like is the right thing. So with that being said, 
We do have some jolly Blackburn responses to our shows, to our uh, episode three and episode four. He gave us some notes on that. So we can go through those real quick before we jump into Bag Wars. Do it. Hey, he said the uh, the font on the interactive, oh, this is on issue four, on the interactive factory version, the printer screwed up the fonts on the pretty much through the entire magazine. Yeah, and if you if you get a, I think you showed your uh, copy there. It's it's whack. It, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah it's I didn't bring it up. with me this time. Yeah, and they had to essentially redo it. It's like it what it wasn't. You know, they couldn't couldn't use them. So that's why there's there's not many of those around. They're rare as hen's teeth, as they say. Hens don't have teeth. Exactly. Oh. Oh, all right. I get it. Uh, he also said that that Gary, the hard eight strip, that first one that was, I think that was an issue four as well. Yeah. It was requested. Actually, it was, it was uh, the very first hard eight was in that tales from the vault. And it was because it was in another publication. It was requested by, I can't recall the name of the publication. It was some, I don't think they're around anymore, but it wasn't like dragon or something. It was smaller. And they requested a strip like that. So he came up with, you know, hey, these are the guys. This is hard eight. So, uh, well, and didn't, didn't he say, I didn't read the notes because I don't really care what Jolly says, frankly. But, um, not like didn't he's he say something on this. What? what was it's that? not like he's an authoritative name on this. Whatever. Depending you know. on which one of the, which facet of Jolly you're talking to. But I, I thought it was interesting because he said, you know, when this, when, he, when once he realized he start well, this is the t- that th- issue three and four and five is when he started to realize like, oh man, this isn't going to be like some little short term thing, and that's and we were talking about that in the in the last couple episodes where like we're starting to see the transition of the characters from being like these caricatures and they're just like sniping at each other to where they're settling into like okay. Brian is going to get, and we're really going to see that in Bag Wars because we're like jumping into the way into the future, right? Um, but he said he started to realize, man, I can't do this all with five characters. I need more characters. I need different storylines that can go back and forth and can last longer and develop more and get some and continuity I, going. Yeah, and and I think we're going to see that big time when we jump. Like I said, we're kind of jumping into the future into the Bag Wars. We're going to see how people are like in a, in different almost roles in the story, you know, in a sense, you know? Yeah. And he, he also, oh, he, he also says that he's, he's claiming that he didn't get that wallet falls out of the pocket and uh, the NPC having the kids picks. He said, he claims he's been doing that for years. Yeah, maybe right. for what it's worth. Maybe, maybe I got it from him. I don't know, but I've been doing it a long, long time. Yeah. Yeah, here's his note. The uh, very short-lived game zine that the Gary Jackson files appeared in was called The Familiar. Ah, that's it, The Familiar. I recall that now. Yeah, they wanted a regular KODT strip, but Dragon had exclusive rights at the time, so he came up with Gary Jackson files to parody the gaming industry. And it meant very well done, as I may add. So the one thing that I remember asking about is the sucking chest wound. Why is that a big deal? And... So he says during, I, I suspect a lot of these things are going to go back to when he was in the military. There was a couple things even in this one, especially when he's talking about Berenger and his, his army. But um, 
says that there was an old old sergeant telling him they could use an MRE wrapper uh, for non-military people. An MRE is a meal ready to eat. It's basically like the modern version of a well, in the eighties and nineties, it was modern version of a of a, like a K rash or C ration, and uh, you can put it over a sucking chest wound. I don't think that's true. <laughs> I think that sergeant was full of shit because I've seen sucking chest. I don't know what I mean. You you could, I guess. I'm not sure what it would do for you. Maybe there's a combat medic out there that'll be like, "No, Steve, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about." <laughs> But I don't know yeah, what else is new. I don't think it's going to help reinflate your lung. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm uh, skeptical, but yeah, who knows? But it's the kind of thing I could see a drill sergeant telling a bunch of people yeah. in basic training. Exactly. You know? Yeah. On the, uh, the second part of uh, issue four, you said that Gary Jackson He's based on the table mythology of people like Gary Gygax and other designers other than any other person. And there was a lot of rumors and stuff around it going around tables about some of these designers and some of their behind the scenes antics and that. Yeah. So he just kind of uh, pulled in for some of those rumors and that. I, I think, I think that's Jolly's PR response. Cause uh-huh. I, we, you guys know, like when we've been, drinking with jolly and like every now and then i think i think it is based on somebody he won't say who but i i think i don't think it's just this sort of gestalt of the game designer crowd i i there's there's some pretty specific behaviors so i don't believe him i mean i don't believe half what he says but i don't i don't believe him i think i think there's somebody i think there's somebody that is more gary jackson than the others but i also think we're wrong about thinking it's steve jackson or gary gygax i think that's just the name i don't think it's based on those people very much maybe but you know and he actually brings up and if if you uh if you didn't listen to it let me plug this radio show he was on a radio show barb the the true uh power behind the throne barbara blackburn and jolly were both on pint o comics which is a sunday night radio show uh, it's out of uh connecticut actually w-e-s-u-f-m it's 88.1 it's like a live freaking radio show like yeah. they did back when before the internet existed but it's actually on the internet so you can go to uh dot org and you can listen to us about an hour interview where jolly talks a lot about how the nights came around and he and he uh goes through several things that's one of the things he talks about is characters and who you know if they're based on somebody and he says even he said even if he had somebody in mind when he first started a character quickly the character would kind of transcend that single person it kind of becomes its own thing yeah i i i I think that's absolutely you should put a link down below for that i will put a link in the show notes for that it's especially because like if, if for anybody who's read like a lot of the series and i'm not i'm not current like with like completely up to date but i've read enough of it like the characters do grow and change a lot. Like, so I, I'm sure that. Yeah. Just reading, uh, the bag wars after reading one through four, it's obvious as hell. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, no doubt about it. So, you have anything else to say? I don't think. Do we have no. any uh, other than uh, the Jolly Blackburn? Do we have any uh, listener comments? We had one gentleman respond, Russell Sinclair, and his question was because we had made this comment on the last show. Hey, our you know, hey, for our listener out there, the listener that we have, <laughs> he said, "Hey, am I the listener?" And so we've said, "Yeah, you can, you can be the listener." So congratulations to Russell Sinclair. You are the listener. Now we've got a couple other listeners, but he's the listener. Well, at the time, he was the listener. We've got we've gained time, a couple yeah. since then. Yeah, uh, most or, like, or it could just be Scott Schwartz who's calling in as other people. For, right? He's, who knows? Yeah. That guy's Sinclair crazy. Schwartz. I see That's a similarity right. there. The first letter. Exactly. Oh yeah, yeah. You've got a keen eye for pattern recognition, George. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you should be a cryptologist. You should be. I didn't think about going into archaeology when I was much younger. That's just like cryptology. Illinois Fields in the uh, something of something. There, there was a uh, one other comment I wanted to cover at Jolly's, unless you guys did it while I zoned out here, and that was he he did talk about that one strip that we questioned. Hey, is, what's this based on? Where where Bob comes with a new character and his old character gave him all his stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. We were talking about like the hand-me-down stuff. Yeah, the yeah. hand-me-down. So Jolly said this is actually, it's actually based on hand-me-downs from dead characters. It was inspired by a campaign that his friend ran where they had a manor house that existed in a different plane and all their PCs lived there when they weren't actively adventuring. And they would kind of rotate going through and you you would bring your characters into each other's campaigns through that, through that manor house. That was kind of their way to bring the kind of their conduit between campaigns and characters would go back to the house one week, pop up in a different game the next week. And uh, if you indicated your character was leaving stuff in the manor's vault and then they died, the next character you rolled up could go withdraw those items. So that's what he's, Said inspired that right rules where they had official proteges, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it'd still be a huge problem for the. I mean, well, it it might be a huge problem for the DM. It depends on how they handle like new characters. Like in my in my campaigns, a lot of times I let people roll up characters that are the same level as the party, you know, so they're not like first level if they die. Even though I think Wes, you're the only person that ever dies in my campaign. What is up with that? I'm the only one that dies in my brother's campaign. I don't know how many campaigns I die in. Well, for me, it's just because I hate you. You're like my Bob. And so anytime yeah. I can kill you, I'm going to, I'm gonna, no, I'm just kidding. Well, I don't know what it is, man. And, and the thing is, usually, like in, in the Thursday game, usually you die because somebody else is doing something stupid. <laughs> you know, it's usually not anything you're doing. Maybe you just suck as a player. So I don't know. I don't know what it is. Yeah. I, it's because I play so real. I play real, man. I don't. If I die, I die. You know, that's the part of the game. Sure, sure. Whatever you, whatever you say. And I, I just wanted to mention that this gentleman's name. I told you there's a guy from Australia that chimed in on the. Uh, anyway, he, he responded to us on Twitter. It's Con. We have a Twitter account. We do. We sure do. We are at a Twitter sphere. Con Kabalafkas. 
if I'm pronouncing that wrong, I apologize. Uh, the boy from Oz. So yeah, appreciate your uh, oh. input there, sir. And we're we're glad you're uh, following the show. Hey, was what are what are like the Facebook group and the Twitter thing? Is there like how would people find those? Or they just search for for Radio Free Muncie or what? I I don't I don't use Twitter, so I don't know. It is all Radio Free Muncie. So that is our that is our Facebook page, Radio Free Muncie, and it is also our Twitter handle. It's it is at how many followers we got on those? Oh, damn, dude, you're like gonna get this test. Yeah. Well, we really need. I mean, everybody needs to know. We also have an OnlyFans uh, account, and if you want to see George do stuff that's for for members only, for paying fans only, then all proceeds go go to charity. He reads Gru comic books in his underpants. Yeah, that's disgusting. (laughs) He acts them out. I'm supposed to wear underpants. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, underpants optional. I don't know. Isn't that what OnlyFans is all about? Hmm. Big guys, big guys reading comics in their underwear. All right, let's move on. Yeah, time to move. Time to move on. Remember how we were talking about how I, yeah, how I cut some stuff out. Let's jump right into it. The Bag Wars Saga. Yeah, this spans. What? What did it start? Issue three or four? It's the first strip that just like kind of. Little throwaway strip almost where Brian double crosses the team. Yeah, the one we covered, right? With the with the portable hole, they put all the stuff in it and he stole yeah. it. He pickpocketed it. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the kickoff of it. And then it spans through. Yep. There's over a hundred pages of comic strips. I just had to rebuy my about a month ago because uh somebody absconded with it. So <laughs> either that or I lost it, which couldn't have been the case, but Anyway, so yeah, you get it on PDF as well. But it spans, like, it starts in that first issue, then jump forward to about issue, or exactly issue 14. It it picks up on that kind of storyline there. And then it goes, you start seeing them. I think issue 15 maybe had a callback to it. I think a lot of them are in the bots, though, right? Like, they were were like bonus material in the bots. Which is kind of annoying to me because I haven't collected all the bots. I've collected all the comics. So if you wanna, if you wanna get them, it's five, six, seven, and eight. It's the bonus material in bot five, six, seven, and eight. But the good thing is you don't have to get all of those. You can buy the Bag War Saga. Hundred and what is this? One hundred and twelve. Page yeah. 114, uh, it says on the cover. 114 pages. And it's not just per the editorial, it's not just a collection of all the Bagwar stuff. It's expanded, it's restoryboarded. And I was talking, I was messaging back and forth with, with Mr. Blackburn, and he was like, Hey, this Mr. was Blackburn. not, th- there was a lot of effort that went into, you know, this was something he, but he's very proud of. And he should be. It's, it's, to, for me, it's the pinnacle of the KODT catalog. Yeah, and uh, there's a bonus in the back of it. They've got a uh, the cast of characters, not just the uh, the PCs, but also several of the NPCs. And the very final page has got a, a map of Garwi's world with spots labeled that uh, parts of the story take place. I love a book or a comic or what, if it's got a map in it. I freaking love maps that. are my That's weakness. My- yeah, I yeah. always like the maps and books. 
It's like the gravy on my potatoes. It was actually the uh, Calamar maps that drew me to Kinsler Company in the first place. Oh, yeah, those, the Atlas, it was like, they, uh, was crazy. So this cover, though, this is not how I imagine the bag world being. There's no way it's got an ocean with sailboats and all this stuff, and they're looking down from a bright blue sunny sky. I mean, God, who wouldn't want to live in bag world? Well, now there was a lake. But yeah, if you read the Jackson document, which we'll cover at some point here, which is core to the... It's like a gloomy wasteland with like, it's like limbo. It's oh, kind wow. of like limbo with light that just kind of comes from wherever, right? So who did this cover? I never noticed this until right now, but uh, one of the clouds is B.A.'s face. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Ha! Huh. Man, that's a good good catch, sir. I missed that too. I don't see Sarah anywhere. Jeff Langcone. Yeah, he's got his name on the castle tower there, right in the right in the picture. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So, according to Jolly, and I can't remember where I got this. Maybe it was the radio show, which you should definitely tune in. That he he sketched out kind of what he, what he wanted to look like and sent it to the artist, and he said, "Yeah, they they actually did pretty close to to what he was asking for." But yeah. I guess if it were gloomy, it wouldn't be much of a cover. But yeah, you're right. There was supposedly a lake eventually within the bag world because they they dumped they drained they drained Lake Placid into it, trying to drown them. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, maybe we should back up here because we kind of jumped right in. Well, I guess the cover is a good place to start. The cover, man. But but the, but the cover, but the the. I, I don't think it's described like this in the in the story. So I don't think so. So my my suspension of belief is gone already. I like I can't I just can't uh, sign the contract now and get into it. Yeah. Sorry so, guys, I'm done. I'm out of here. I'm going in. I'm gonna get some tacos and wait for you guys to finish up. So hey, get me a large mango tea with no ice while you're in there. Give me uh, a. Yeah, I'll do gordita, that. Just wait here. <laughs> so yeah, but it's a nice cover and everything. Yeah. Um, it just it just doesn't match what I thought the bad world looked like. Yeah. Right. So for for the folks, if if I were explaining to my grandmother what Bag World was all about, how would you guys kind of summarize, you know, for the folks that maybe never even really heard of Bag World and they're like, ah, is this something maybe that I yeah. want to dig into? Well, I mean, a, a bag of hold, every, if, if you're a gamer, you know, a bag of holding is a bag that's bigger on the inside than it is on the outside and it's and it can carry more weight and only weigh a little bit but usually the bags on the inside are not that big right i mean they're they're like 10 cubic feet 20 cubic feet something like that i don't know i have to look it depends on the edition but in this there are and this is what the the jackson document talks about is there are some mass storage capacity items like bags of holding but it could be a chest of holding or a quiver of holding or a pouch of holding or whatever they actually are a portal into another world and they are all portals into the same world which is kind of important so you're basically when you throw your stuff into your bag of holding you're throwing it on the ground in this other world and when you open the bag basically a hole opens up in the sky of this other world and you dump the stuff there when you close it it disappears and then there's some kind of magic that allows you to grab what you want right um so that's the premise so when it starts out they think they're putting all their stuff into a little interdimensional 
hole that or space that is defined and small, and they're actually throwing it into another world. And hilarity ensues. So they end up putting all this all this stuff in there. They just buy like a, a, what was it a million gold pieces worth of equipment. Well, and they end the- up putting their mercenaries. Well, we're not there. You're you're really jumping in. Where we left it in issue four was they oh, okay. killed they killed that dragon. They got a million gold pieces, so they went and bought all kinds of shit, and they put it in the hole. Everything they could ever need. And then, and then Brian pickpocketed it. And then in the note, it said when, when they found out they buried his character and the hole in like a frost giant troll and all this stuff in a hole and they forgot about him. But as we'll see, they did eventually let him out and they got the bag out, but then other things, other things happened. So you guys want to go to the, let's do it. What do you want to talk about his editorial real quick in his backstory? Or do you think we've pretty much covered all that? cry well i don't think i don't think we talked about um i mean we talked like in in the editorial he cries from the attic editorial of a madman um you know he taught we the the part about how much it was a labor of love i think that's very clear but i think the part that isn't that we didn't talk about is this was like this is like a, a glimpse behind the scenes of a creative team and how they work together and they throw ideas off each other and they try to make each other laugh and they come up with stories from their background. They all have different ideas and it comes together to make a better product. And, and I, I suspect like when they're doing, and he kind of mentions that in here, when they're doing the monthly magazine, it's like, there's a deadline and probably a fair amount of that's like jolly, like just doing it. But this is not that, and and this is yeah. This is a full team collaboration and brainstorming. Yeah, uh, Jolly did mention in that interview Sunday about when they all shared an office that happened quite a bit doing issues, and even today he'll he'll when he'll come in from uh, the game loft he'll bounce stuff off a of barb and actually have the strips drawn up and up on the TV screen for her to look at. Yeah, I think I think Barb is like the unsung hero i mean they make her like a plus one but i i think she's it's barb does a lot like she does a lot for kodt she does a lot of the work and and i know that i know she gets some credit but i don't think she can get enough credit for the for the influence that she has over this whole well the first strip is called the coming storm or a coming storm and one of the things that i love about it has is the first entire page is just an entry in Brian's character's journal, Lotus's journal, talking about what's going on, giving us some backstory before the strip even starts. And that I, happens a lot through the this entire uh, trade paperback. I, I thought it was pretty cool, even though I think it was last episode or the episode before I was bashing movies that start with a big monologue. Um, I think this is okay, though. This seems this seems okay. I don't know that it was one hundred percent necessary, but I think it helps set it up because a lot of these, a lot of the, uh, uh, more when I reread this, a lot more of it than I thought kind of happens off, off, um, off camera. You know what I mean? Like yeah. when they come back yeah. and they talk about, oh, we've had two other wars since then or whatever. But yeah, and and this strip supplants, if that's to use my word today, calendar that original, right? So this is taking that original strip and expanding it into, you know, more, more than what went on in that just original couple pages. 
you know, and uh, it jumps straight into action. Well, in in the but before we go to the action, so there's a couple things in here that I thought were interesting. Um, one is that they've got months worth of charm potion yeah. for Behringer. And honestly, like this is something when I when I did Star Wars, I always had to remind players that just because you do mind trick on the leader doesn't mean everybody else is a robot and just does exactly what the leader says, even if it's stupid. Right. But apparently this is B.A., whatever. But I was thinking about that, like when I, when I rem- remember some of like some of Steve talking about things about Hackmaster and the design of Hackmaster and how like they didn't want you to be able to buy any magic items, right? I mean, like there's a lot of things in there in the underlying kind of philosophy around keeping players under control, right? And it made me think like, do they think this is how people really play? Like they find a way to manufacture months worth of charm potions so they can keep an army under control? You know, this is probably how they play. They're trying to keep each other under control. And so, like, well, that's what I mean. So, like, do they do they think that that they need to have like strict rules? I mean, I know a lot of people. There are, I don't know if it's most people, but I know a lot of people do have kind of crazy campaigns, especially when they're younger. Like oh, yeah. when I was younger, playing first edition D anD D, I, you know, we had more of that kind of thing. But there's a few things in here that I'm like, really? Like months worth of charm potion. When they and when they in in, in some of the spells, like we're gonna talk about the food they're eating and how they use a spell to to um make it seem like good food, even though it's like probably mush. it's not even mush, man. It's not yeah, even it's like food. a isn't it like a tree bark or something? Well, we'll we'll yeah. I'm trying not to jump at it too much, but it's like, but it's like they're casting a spell that's affecting hundreds of people and they're casting it three meals a day, every day to get them to eat this. Or those people know they're eating that stuff and they're okay with it, which, you know, so there's a few things like that in here. Like, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I guess, you know, but I pick, I pick movies apart too. Everybody hates watching movies with me. So doesn't mean I don't like it. I love the comic, but I just pick stuff apart. So, um, yeah, so there was a charm potion, and remember when I was kind of being nice about Brian, saying, "Oh, I think he'd be a good player." He's like, "In this, you're this is he is fully transformed into the power gamer." In fact, to the point where I can't believe he's even writing this journal. Like I, the way Brian plays, I don't know why he's writing a journal in character because he couldn't give a crap about <laughs> in character. <laughs> The only thing that I could think of for that is he takes these notes just for his own memory, but why he does it in character, I can't answer. Well, right, because like everything he does has nothing to do with role playing at all. It's all about acquiring magic, power, gold, min controlling those controlling numbers. Yeah, getting the numbers, working out the tacticals. So this, I, I this would have made more sense to me if it had been uh sarah maybe right but i mean i and i love how he refers to his army as like meat sarah's going to get new meat oh yeah how 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 are you going to keep an army together when you yeah anyway well i'll talk about that and did you guys catch the moby dick reference before you looked at the bottom yeah Yeah. i I noticed the language is weird but i I didn't know where it was from until i read the note Cause it, cause doesn't Bob say, "Hey, he's quoting Wrath of Khan." Well, yeah. obviously, Wrath yeah. of Khan was quoting Moby Dick, right? I didn't know that. I, yeah. I, but it's in here too, where he he uses that in here too. Like, that yeah, there's a there's a footnote. 
Sword and shield victory or defeat ends tomorrow. Oh, wait, maybe that's not. Where was it? Anyway, yeah, um, I will reek that. Yeah, because he said, I see him in outrageous strength with an inscrutable malice sinewing it. That inscrutable thing is chiefly what I hate. I will wreak that hate upon him. I'm like, that isn't Brian. I, I didn't know what no. it was, but I'm like, that is like a, some kind of thing, you know. But yeah, you're like, it. man, that's sounds a lot like Herman Melville, but. I don't, I don't know the classics like that. I read them in college or whatever, but I don't like them that much. (laughs) Nah, they're okay. So the, so they get into, so like George was saying, this opens up action comes pretty quick. Yep. They're uh, laying out camp for the night and uh, Sergeant Berenger, one of the main uh, NPCs of the entire storyline. Who's the, uh, basically leading the army uh, is coming in to talk to them. And poor Bob just says right away, he's breaking down his crossbow. So basically uh, de-weaponizing himself before uh, the storm's about to hit. And uh, Sarah's character, Justinia is in town getting more recruit, more meat as, uh, as Steve pointed out when uh, suddenly rot gut flies in and attacks. Catching them with their pants down. So the dragon that la- the, the initial strip was an unnamed black dragon. Now it's a swack iron dragon rot gut. Rot gut. Did you see how they spelled it? Yeah. 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 Rot gut. So a couple things just on this first page, man. Um, first of all, I love that Chelsea is now a war cow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so funny that that came back full circle and some of the things that happened, but, um, the, uh, there's this cadence song. Mary stole my heart when she sewed my wounds. I, I'm, I'm wondering if that's an old military thing too. I looked it up. I couldn't find anything about it. Um, but that's like kind of specific. I'm wondering if Jolly made that up or if it's yeah. actually like something that he, some drill sergeant told him. Yeah. I wonder. It's like the hook nose Wallace reference. Will we ever know? Yeah, it's just it's just very specific. But he could have made it up, right? Um, uh, and one thing we need to note here because it comes up later when I talk about how uh, kind of absurd it is that Beringer is so stupid. Like he's he's got elite soldiers, right? Like these guys are not. These guys are a, an army of elite soldiers, and it's a lot of men. Because Sarah's going to get 300 more recruits, right? They lose over 300 people, and they're not even like, oh, man, that's our whole army. They're like, oh, yeah, those are bad losses. So this is a big group. of This Behringer is leading an army. I, I don't know off the top of my head like how big that would be, like a company or a battalion or whatever. But this guy is equivalent of an officer, clearly, and he's got subordinates. And so... But I'll talk about what I think about the interactions with Brian later. But um, yeah, and and how how specific of a game do you have to? These guys are supposed to be all about hack and slash and killing shit, and yet they're keeping track of like what part of their weapon got broke and what they have to do to go get it reforged. Like the trigger guard, like yeah, you guys don't like none of my players. If I said the trigger guard is broke, like they wouldn't know that. Ten minutes later, they'd be like, "Oh yeah, my crossbow is broke." Whatever, like yeah. they wouldn't know yeah. how it was broke or what specifically they had to do to fix it it's just so it's kind of funny you know (laughs) yeah um very specific super specific um 
The other thing on this page is what we were talking about, the lotus stew. So it's a concoction of sawdust, tree bark, <laughs> potato peels, and rat meat that Brian invented to feed this army. And like I said, he's using some spell. I can't remember what spell he's using. Mar Mergain's Rack of Spice. Like, that must be one badass spell because we're talking about, what, three to five, six, seven hundred people maybe that yep. are eating this shit. And he's able to trick them all into thinking it's good food. That's that's pretty powerful, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know. Unless it just affects the uh, the stew itself. Well, it says it fools the palate into thinking it's fine cuisine. I guess Jolly will have to clarify that for you. But there's a few spells like that in here. Like like I said, they these guys have a lot of access to a lot of magic. Like which yeah. which makes me think like in Hackmaster, it's kind of the opposite. Even though the spells are really specific like that. Um, but it, it just makes me wonder how much of the design philosophy was like to counteract the kind of shenanigans yeah. that happen in Knights of the Dinner Table, you know? So, yeah. And, and did you notice that Brian is like, re remember we were talking a couple of issues back or a couple episodes back with a little blurb on the title page and BA is like, you may not agree with me, Brian, but this shield is my wall of authority and this shows my what whatever, you know, that very adversarial thing. And Brian disagreed with that. And then here, very first page, we see like, and, and now keep in mind, this wasn't written in issue 14 or any of those bots. This is the new stuff that was written when they did the trade paperback. So this is when Brian, this is way in the future. And he's like, oh no, we got to use secret codes. This is absolutely, we are trying to trick the, G, the GM and get what we want, get treasure, gold, whatever. And he is 100%, which that's why I think the journal doesn't make a lot of sense. But um, this is like future Brian, worst player in the world, Brian, like the guy you would not want sitting at your table. Yeah, exactly. So the dragon attacks, they got their pants down and here comes, here comes the dragon attack. Yeah, he's flying in, uh, carrying 230 gallon casks that he drops down into the camps and both are full of oil are they yeah. are they 30 gallon yep did he say 30 because yep. they said later there were 60 gallon casks it says two large 30 gallon oaken casks yeah well those are pretty small i actually looked it up i i have this um this thing and um i mean first of all 60 gallons is not a huge amount of liquid when you're spreading it over Right. A couple hundred square feet, right? But or hundred foot diameter. But um, yeah, it turns out that a sixty. I didn't look thirty because I saw later on. I saw sixty gallons of oil, and I so I thought it was a sixty gallon barrel. But um, it's basically a sixty gallon barrel is a hogshead, um, which is about half the size of a butt. <laughs> Just a little, little trivia. I should have done that as a trivia question. We didn't do yeah. a trivia question. Um. Yeah. Just to to imagine a thirty gallon cast. Just imagine six five gallon buckets. Which is not a huge amount, right. right? I mean, when you think about it, like the, that, if you poured that out on the grass, it would soak into the grass in a few seconds and it'd be gone. Right. So it's here he, uh, he hits a tent that they keep their arms in, and the other one, the tent that the heroes, Teflon Billy and all them stay in. Yeah, I guess they were kind of precision, but meant to be like precision strike, I guess. Yeah, well, and I know it, it like probably soaked the tent and everything, right? Yeah. Like, so that, yeah. that makes sense. It's just that later on they mentioned 60 gallons of lamp oil on the ground. Yeah. Like, I don't know if that would, 
explode. But the the, the dragon, the, well, we're going to talk. The, the dragon's fire isn't that devastating anyway, though. Like, did you guys did you guys notice that, or do you want me to wait till we get to that? Um, yeah, we'll no, get to that shortly. Oh, we're kind of yeah. I guess we're kind of almost there. Yeah, right? we're, yeah, we're getting yeah. It's coming up the next page or so, I think. And of course, Dave shows his uh, high intelligence. What? He's bringing wine? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the battle continues. Dragon drops the, the casks. And, and here's uh, another example of the very specific spell repertoire of uh, Lotus. <laughs> yeah. Hype, Hype Doors Furious Windstorm. Uh, meant to. In the Rock Guts Path. Yeah, meant to impede rock guts. Well, that flight. one's not too bad though. I mean, there's like a gu- there's gust of wind. Like gust of wind is kind of a normal spell. But it, it's not gust of wind. It's it's hype doors furious. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I I was thinking like specific in their application. Like they're very oh, yeah. very narrow. There's uh, one coming up. That, yeah. The yeah. Court. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so the and this is where and this is where um. The in the next frame, the dragon's flying down in a breeze fire, a swath of nearly a hundred feet, sixty gallons of lamp oil, like I said, which is not gonna explode after it's right, out not the ground, lamp right? oil. Um, but the thing is, Bob takes twelve hit points of damage from that. <laughs> he takes twelve hit points of damage. And 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 like you could say, well, maybe that's a lot, except that later on he gets hit by an arrow that does six hit points of damage. Well, that's so true. Like a fucking dragon's breath, rock guts dragon's breath is like getting shot by two arrows. So I have a theory and I want to, I want to share my theory with you guys now, because then I want you to tell me if you think it's justified as we, when we get to the end of this, of this sequence of this dragon fight, this, first of all, with a look on BA's face, he's enjoying this. He knows oh, he's in yeah. complete control, right? Oh, yeah. Especially because in the next part, when they're fighting the dragon and they defeat it, he is not happy. He's like caught way off guard. But this is not a real battle. This is what I would call like a narrative, a narrative advancing encounter. He is not trying to kill these guys. There is no way they can kill this dragon. He is basically going to trade information for resources. So this is an encounter. And, and, and you know what's interesting is you see a lot of these, especially like in the D&D 5 published modules and like in the AL um, games that I've played in a lot of cons where you really can't win the fight. They just keep, it's like they keep spawning monsters as appropriate to make it feel like you're in danger but you're never really in danger it's just like an encounter to have a fight and and you're going to get something at the end of it or you're going to achieve an objective at the end of it but it's not like there are x number of monsters and if you kill those monsters you win it's like no you have to fight until certain conditions have been met and then the dm is going to be like okay the fight's over but it's more about the story than it is about like can you defeat this thing in a in battle Right. right, because personally, I think these guys would be fucked if this fight oh, yeah. were actually being done as a fight. Oh yeah, yeah this, absolutely. Uh, if B wanted to, the campaign could have ended right there. Then there'd be no bag wars. Yeah, and that'd be the end. And 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 there's so much um, flavor text, like the way all the fight, all the combat's being described. But really, the characters don't get 
they come out of it pretty well. I mean, they lose a lot of NPCs, like, you know, which is a tactic I use. You kill NPCs so people know it's dangerous. You don't kill off the characters, right? Um, right. Well, most of them. Except for you. <laughs> you're you're my player. When it's really serious, I kill you <laughs> off. There's also I, the possibility that uh, Knuckles had some stuff that protected him from fire as well that's just not talked about in the strip. That That is possible. But that would still be a tremendously small, um, I mean, because it's the dragon's breath and they're make he, you know, he's making a big deal out of this oil. 12 hit points, man, is like, yeah, whatever, you know. Um, yeah. Even when she's healing him later, I can't remember, but she heals him like, like more than 12 hit points in one healing spell, I think. Yeah, and I think a comment's made about El Ravager. Haven't seen you below 50 hit points in a long time. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. No, but now keep in mind, that's like years later in the campaign. Cause this, this whole um, story arc takes place oh, yeah. over years of real time and years of campaign time. So they may be way, way higher level at that point. But if, but even if that's the case, then why are they fighting the legendary rock gut? Who's right. BA's grudge monster, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I just thought it was, I would have expected to see more than 12 hit points. That's all. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right about the it being more of a plot device than an actual battle. This In a campaign I played in years ago, the campaign I refer to is kind of like I grew up playing Advanced Dungeons & Dragons. We played through the Slavers series, and man, it, oh, we, we enjoyed it so much. But there was one part of it where we ended up losing a battle and getting taken prisoner and to this island and all this kind of thing. And A4. Yeah, yeah, yeah A4. exactly. Yep. I mean, that's, that's how the they adventures how were it's written. written. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. A3 is set up where uh, you're taking captive. But I didn't know for, it was years before I realized that that was really what was going to happen no matter what. It, yep. it went off so flawlessly. It was like finding out that there was no Santa Claus. Spoiler alert, it's finding out that there was no Santa Claus. <laughs> Yeah, if there are any young children listening. Yeah, spoiler um, alert. Yeah, and, and that's a great example. And you know what's funny, though, is um, a lot of players are not going to react well to that. And, and frankly, these players would not react well to this kind of a battle no, no, because there's, no. so, there's so little mechanics happening in this fight. I think Brian would have been like, well, wait a minute. How come he can pick him up? Did you roll to see if he could grab him and fling him and blah, you know? I mean, even... Even um, Chelsea goes riding off into the woods, and Dave. So Dave has killed how many of these ninja guys? We're going to talk about. I know I'm getting way ahead. Sorry, um, Sailor Jerry, sue me. Um, Scott knows what I'm talking about. So you know, Dave. Dave is on Chelsea. They're riding in the woods, and the branches are hitting him, and he gets knocked off and gets knocked <laughs> unconscious. This yeah. dude just killed like how many of these of these ninja guys? Yeah, like. It's it's narrative, and these dudes these dudes would have been like, "Fuck that, ba." <laughs> it's just like the very first frame up here where where Brian casts a spell, and ba's like, "Ah, minor annoyance." Any yep. other strip that could have well been a, a back and forth. Wait a minute, ba, you got to roll, blah blah blah. Yep. But ba's he's in a zone. He says it with confidence. You know, Brian doesn't even blink. He just saw. Okay, I mean, it was it was just a couple of issues back. Well, that for us, yeah. where 
He's he's getting him to roll for every pebble he threw on yeah, the ground and bullshit like that. And, and BA's just like, no, nah, he just ignores it. Like, wait, wait, wait a minute. That's my spell, dude. <laughs> you know. Um, I, I think I think the the you know, in the in the context of the story, this is because this is a narrative thing. I don't think they would have accepted it. I think this is Jolly just having fun telling a cool yeah. dragon battle. Oh, right? yeah. And it's a cool. It is cool. It's a cool dragon battle. I, I, but I was thinking as I was doing this, I was thinking like, how would I, how could I make this happen as a DM? And I don't know that I could, because the the way this dragon is is as powerful as it's supposed to be, and, and the way it's fighting, the party would get annihilated. Oh yeah, it'd be over. You know? And to, like to your point down here at the at the bottom, here comes the, here come the ninjas, right? Yeah. So one of the coolest things about dragons, having a powerful dragon in a campaign, is having that cult that's following them around. And Rotgut has ninjas as, ninjas as a cult. And they catch him in the open when Bob's not wearing his armor, and which I think you know, this is disassembled. His crossbow, his, his beloved crossbow is disassembled. And this is everybody hates Bob, right? B.A. BA was probably like, all right. He probably knew he was going to do this, but when Bob is like, "Oh, I'm taking apart my crossbow," and he's like, "All right, now this is going down right now." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? and so <laughs> and he's like, "Nope, sorry, Bob, you you said." And I think I think Bob would have been like, because I've had players do this to me, right? Where they're getting caught out and they're like, well, no, I meant I was going to do that. I haven't done yeah. that yet. Oh, no, I'm definitely wearing my armor. It's like, no, oh, dude, yeah. you said it. It's like, no, no, this is what I was like. Come on. <laughs> he's got him. BA's got him. And it's Bob. Yeah. So he's getting it even worse. Or he's going to do it no matter what. So Don't. as, as an example, look at look at how how the uh, the uh, Bob's fl- fires put out. Yeah. <laughs> really beats the flames out with whatever he had in his hands at the moment, which happens to be a footman's flail. <laughs> so he's beating Bob with a flail to put the flames out, causing even more damage to him and just knocks him unconscious. Come on, man. No, like I, I put in my notes, clearly B.A. is fucking with him. Oh, like, yeah. Like nobody, nobody is dumb enough to no. put out the flames with no. Them. You only feel the first half of a dozen blows, and then, <laughs> yeah. and then uh, mercifully you fall unconscious. Yeah, and this is this is like you know, and like no mechanics, no dice rolling, no da- no like just like nah. He fucks you up with that flail, and he's hitting. And the thing is, he's putting the fire out, but he's hitting him hard enough to like kill him. Right? Yeah. <laughs> So he's not even being gentle about it. I, this, I, you know, the, this stuff with Bob, it's been making me think. So we've tried to figure out who all these people are in, in, in real, like who's the inspiration? Who did Jolly hate so much that he made them Bob, right? Oh, who man. was the motherfucker that Jolly, that pissed off Jolly so much that he was immortalized in this comic book as as Bob, because Bob is like the, I mean, later he gets better, but yeah. like, even at this point in the history, man, he's an asshole and everybody hates him. Like, he's the George Costanza the of the group. So I want to know that's Jolly. You want to give us some notes? Give me that note. Who, who's Bob? Where did Bob, Bob come from? <laughs> it's a great page though. The second page, man. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. just great. Yeah, just reading B.A.'s descriptions of how this all goes down makes 
reminded me of some of the uh, Game of Thrones dragons flying down on some of the armies and that, and kind of makes me feel like an inferior GM. Well, but th- but that's what I'm saying, George. I don't think I don't think this could be run in a game. Right. I, I don't think it could be run like this in a game unless unless it was like it was all it was like. Seventy percent narrative, right? And I and I and like I said, I've run things like this, where I'm just like I'm not trying to kill a party. I just want to scare the crap out of them. I just have stuff keep coming at them and whatnot. But they're overwhelmed. But it's not going to kill them, you know. Um, but there's a lot of good flavor text, a lot of good descriptions. Yep. Did Did you guys see the reference to to Haji? Yeah. 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 So we'll 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 talk about him sometime. He's actually one of my favorite little bits. In, oh yeah, in the side strips and whatnot. I d- yeah, I love it. I love Haji. What, what was that gesture, George? You did something. Oh, the puppet Haji. Oh, the puppet. I thought you were making yeah. a different and gesture. And isn't he a puppet that that came from like Tic Tac Taco or something? It was like. But he's like he's like super obnoxious. So Brian's always like talking through him, and he's he's just. A, freaking asshole and then he's like what i can't help it he's my familiar yeah <laughs> which which is like that it's like that whole thing about players saying oh i'm playing my alignment to but it's yeah. to the extreme you know it's like it's like the player playing the character playing the familiar so it's not me all right so where are we third pick a few rounds later yeah brian brian is able to cast a ground glimmer to kind of camouflage himself a little bit uh, and obscure the details of the ground. So that's another somewhat specific spell. I mean, that would, that would, it's very handy if a dragon is flying around <laughs> trying to, trying to scope you out. Otherwise it's, it's probably not. <laughs> yeah. For flying. I, mean, I guess if you're trying to hide from flying creatures, like, like it would have been useful for the, for the fellowship of the ring when they came oh, yeah. out of, uh, out of, um, uh, Kaza Doom and the birds were flying overhead or whatever, right? right? Yeah. Like, or we, maybe that was before they were in Kaza Doom. I can't remember, but yeah. The yeah, birds I also were, love in that last panel on that page, Bob is still like, seriously? He beat the flames out of the flail? Like, <laughs> no. not letting that one go. And yeah. I'm I'm with Bob, man. That's oh, yeah, absolutely. Nonsense, but... There, there were some other good things too, like some things that that are important later, and I can't find. Oh yeah, up at the top of that page, I um, several rounds later. That meanwhile, Sergeant Berenger and Ferret Fre- Face Freddy run to your side and position themselves. So these guys that have been fed sawdust and rat poop or whatever, and like et cetera, et cetera. They're 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 so loyal that they're protecting Dave. They're not just fighting to win or, or survive. They're putting themselves at risk to go protect Dave. These guys are just like power gamers extraordinary because they just treat these NPCs like nothing. But um, you know, I guess that's okay. BA BA should make them smarter. Yeah, right. BA should make them a little more cynical uh, about about these people that are clearly not good people, right? <laughs> so in the beginning of the next page, Dave finishes off the last of the uh, the ninjas, only to find out that there's another group of them coming from the tree line, moving through their wounded and doing coup de grace on, on fallen bodies, and several of them coming up on uh, Brian's character. So one of my favorite lines on this page 
is Chelsea does a solitary stampede. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so evocative. Like you can just see like yeah. stampeding, one cow stampeding. <laughs> and it's a cow. It's a cow getting shot by air. Like this thing should be in a pasture providing milk or something, you yeah. know, and it's like being ridden into battle. Like can a can a cow even be trained not panic i mean like horses have to be very specially bred and trained right to like fight in these yeah. situations and oh yeah, a yeah cow? And, uh, <laughs> right before the bovine does her solitary stampede he, he describes her as a seasoned war cow a seasoned yeah. war yeah the seasoned war cow breaks <laughs> it's kind of like um in uh history of the is it history of the world? Yeah. History of the world part one or part two or whatever with the Mel Brooks movie Yeah, where Mongo, where they bring in Mongo to fight the sheriff and he's right, rides in on a big ass bull. Oh, that's uh blazing saddles, blazing saddles. That's, oh yeah. Dad yeah, yeah. was history of the world in the end of it. Yeah. 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 And he's, he's riding in on a big old tech, like, like with the huge horns sticking out yep. the side. Like like a, yeah. I could see that, but imagine if he would have ridden in on like a Chelsea, like a, like Chelsea, <laughs> yeah. like, not quite as intimidating. <laughs> now, I saw a, there was a Western movie years ago called Buffalo Rider about a dude that had a buffalo he rode around. Now that was that was badass. That's like that's he rode cool. that buffalo right into a freaking saloon and and beat everybody's ass. Well, and I could see a buffalo doing that. It's the yeah. idea of a cow. You know, yeah, that's pretty. Yeah. With like the big udders, the udders hanging down from yeah. the. Yeah. <laughs> Big old fat cow. Like, I don't know. Uh, oh, so down here at the the bottom of this page, Rot got finally realizes there must be some kind of glamour hiding something. So yeah, so he targets out the center of the the spell effect. So did you notice how BA though telegraphs what's going to happen? If this dragon it was a super genius, and what I would have done, like if I were really trying to fuck with the party, right? I would have just had it flying overhead, and then all of a sudden it would have just turned suddenly right there. Yeah. And blam, hit him. Because if you're a super genius dragon, you're, you aren't going to telegraph that, oh, no. what's that down there? I wonder. Yeah. You know, it would have known, it probably would have known immediately, like, well, obviously there's a spell hiding something. Yeah, especially since everything was clear just moments before that. Right. And, and they're in like, in like BA says when he telegraphs, it's like, yeah, there's no bodies, there's no flames or smoke or anything, but the dragon wouldn't sit there and like scratch its head up in the air and then make a big deal out of it. I, I mean, it seems like it's yeah, not going to bellow out that. loud. Where'd all the dead bodies go? It must be magic. <laughs> right. And then Brian's like, uh-oh, uh-oh, you know, like maybe he wanted to telegraph. I mean, because like I said, it's a narrative fight. So maybe he yeah. didn't care yeah. about beating him. He just was just like, want to make it up the tension. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It could be a TPK easily. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Drops like a stone, but BA is having a great, like look at oh, the first yeah. frame on the next page where he says drops like a stone. Look at that face. Oh, he's got his hands up. Oh yeah. yeah. Like, like he's the wizard. Oh, he, he's like having so much fun. Just like tearing these guys apart because and and the thing is because he knows it's not going to destroy his campaign or anything he's doing this just to like make him feel uneasy you know try to try to knock him down a notch and put him in their place a little bit yeah oh yeah oh now here here's the here is not as specific as it gets when they fight the dragon later but oh yeah 
a suspended web spell. So, it, and it's a hundred by 100 feet suspended up in the air. Like how, I mean, I guess if they get, if you get attacked by dra- by flying creatures a lot, I guess that would be useful. It just seems very specific. But then again, in, ha- in the Hackmaster, like the, the real game Hackmaster, there's some pretty specific spells in there too. Not, right. not as many as like this, but there are some. And, you know, I was just thinking, man, how's he got all, how did he, how is he prepared for all this? Well, they well, are he's casting, dragon, dude. That's right, but he's also casting off scrolls. Yeah, he's got a scroll caddy. Oh, calling yeah. off scrolls by code. Yeah. Uh, the scrolls in this pack are for this. The scrolls in this pack are for that. I have him toss me this from spell caddy B, and yeah, no, that's true. And 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 they do clearly have access to a crap ton of magic yeah. stuff. You know, I'd be curious to know what level the characters are in this. They're fighting rock gut, not just a dragon, but like right. a dragon that everybody knows about that's old and wise enough to have a huge horde that he's hauling around in a bag, right? So he's got a cult following him. Luckily, uh, Brian's got a fire protection spell and his frames are fire retardant. And he covers up just before the dragon breath slams into him. But then so, goes and uses some science and... The oxygen is sucked out of the area and replaced by intense heat and smoke. Yeah. Stupid science. Wait, so now here, here's the thing. So B.A. tells him what his character does. You stand up gasping for breath. You try to get away. You can't. And you fall. So he's like running Brian's character at this point. That that and, and I'm saying this just because this is what I mean. Like, this is all narrative fighting, right? Right. And, and here's the thing. Um. So Brian has all this spell protection stuff, right? But um, what about uh, what about his buddy that handed him the scroll? He doesn't die. Not to mention uh, the packs of scrolls. None of it. Like, but he he's got. I mean, and you can't tell me he's got some kind of special magical protection for his scr- his scroll caddy. Um, I mean, based on how they treat every other NPC, that dude would be like toast. Right, his familiar would probably be. I mean, they'd all be toast. But BA doesn't kill any of the named people in this fight. So this is all just this is all just smoke and mirrors, man. This is BA just having fun. Yeah. So, so at this point, Teflon, Billy, El Ravager, Knuckles are all unconscious, and Justini is not even there. And that's how the first trip ends with uh, Teflon Billy passing out from lack of oxygen. So I think this is a good time for a taco break. You guys want to? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Let's get some tacos. Then we'll come back out and we'll go on to. After we eat, we'll start on the next script. Do the next one. What's what's next? Scorched. Scorched earth. Yes. The next morning and the after effects. Yeah. Then picking up the pieces and and, uh, going after. So this, you know, this initial strip, which was just a couple of pages, is now. You know, we're already one epic dragon battle in, and we're not even halfway through kind of the reimagining of of that first strip. So, yeah. Yep. The next strip starts on page 10. Yeah, I th- I think the next strip, and I don't want to, I don't, I want to go get some tacos, but yeah. um, the next strip, I got a lot to say about Behringer and, and how, how poorly B.A., is treating his own NPCs. 
but I'm I'm gonna save that because I got I got a lot to say about. But and I, and I dig this man. We we're gonna spend some a few episodes on bag war. So and I know you know we're one episode in here, and we we had some other stuff teed up before this, but. There are just so the the listeners know what the content here. All this what we just talked about is strip number one yep. of eighteen. Yeah, but we're not gonna we're gonna go through some. Yeah, of we're but yeah, but I'm just saying Maybe. there's a lot of action packed between these two covers. There's a yeah. lot going on here. Yeah. Well, and and what's interesting about it too is like. And, and, you know, you guys know, I like to comment on like the characters and their development and stuff, not just like the actual story. And what's interesting, what's going to be interesting as for me, as I'm going through it, it's like, so this very first part of the strip of, or the paper, the trade paperback is actually probably the last part of the story that was written. And then we're going to go to another thing that's going to be much earlier. And then another thing that was a little bit later, you know, and so it's going to be like I want, I'm interested. In like, do the care? How consistently did they keep the characters in this? Which they probably did, um, because they went back and redid it all. Like he said in the in the introduction. Um, I'm tempted though to go back and get those bots and read the original strips just so I can see like what what's different. You know, like what did they change? But that might be. I don't know if I have enough enough drugs to stay in a drug induced hyper focused state long enough to do well, that on the positive side you don't have to read the entire bots just the specific strips oh yeah i know but i'd have to like i'd have to like practically put them side by side All right bookmark them before Maybe you one. take your other sleeve what bookmark each uh, strip before you uh, get into your drug induced haze yeah yeah exactly i just don't know if i have enough drug so if there's any <laughs> listeners out there that can hook me up no i'm just kidding um the uh but yeah i i'm looking forward to going through this i think it's going to be really interesting yeah good stuff all right taco time let's go get some tacos thanks for listening to radio free muncie if you have a comment you can leave it at our anchor site or you can email us at radiofreemuncie at gmail.com see you next time